3: We are back live. Cersei Wallace, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
3: I presume you're here um, to thank me for improving Chaz's diet and exercise regimen oh, in the last really few Oh, he's really on
0: one right now.
2: Both of them. Isn't he? he Athletic had, greens. He
0: had a heavy detox yesterday. Oof.
2: I'll tell you what. When you start <laughs> running hard.
0: And you're off the vodka. Uh,
2: it's like somehow it's all stored up in there and then it comes out your nose. Okay, so That's what I realized so what happened? <laughs> I mean mucus or what are you talking? So about? I've been I've been training hard right getting my so again the overarching thing is to get to fight shape, right? Correct where so last time I fought uh, In the octagon in the ring was against Richie Vass the bra boy in Australia Probably 10 plus years ago 11 years ago. No uh, And the thing I remember most about that time was not throwing my shoulder out of socket when I tried to punch him in the head, but the utter and sheer exhaustion. Have you ever fought like not no street fight, but like a boxed or anything? No, it is the most tiring thing ever. Like 20 seconds feels like you're going to die. And so I thought this time as I'm training for the greatest trilogy fight in history, Smith Goggins three, uh, I better get into fight shape before I start fighting. So, i've started running 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 the other day i thought i'm gonna push it i'm gonna run left the car at the train station i'm gonna run to the train station and get it i got there to the train station and thought okay i did it but w- have been was so wiped out yesterday just like uh, the, just yeah, really the was the aftermath struggling. yeah the aftermath um, but i'm back how many, on it today and he's how many,
0: getting muscles so that's
2: good. you
3: like that uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome by the way <laughs> thanks yeah yeah um how far is the train station? It
2: was like three miles away. So and a three did mile you sprint it? like, Nope. Okay. Have you, when was the last time you ran three miles though?
3: I actually was running a hundred miles a month.
2: Yeah. You, for about a year.
3: Yeah. Eight months ago or so. So I was running very, very actively for yeah. a year.
2: How many miles would you do a day?
3: Four to five.
2: Did you have a, did you have a route?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Newport back Bay. So it was a delightful run, like oh, yeah. plenty to look at, but that was the a thing. So Trump flags flying in the air. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, um, the right about that time too, that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah, four miles or five miles a day adds up to 25 a week. If you're doing five days a week, you know, I'd take a day or two off and that ends up being a hundred a month. So my goal was always a hundred a month. And some days I would only do a three mile run, which meant next day I had to do six or five or whatever, but yeah, a hundred a month.
2: So, so you, what I hear you saying is how weak, I have become how yes. yes, sedentary exactly. that three miles just took me out, took me offline. Well, you
0: might you start might have something somewhere. to do with the daily...
2: Greens, daily <laughs> green first?
5: <laughs> Alcohol consumption? <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, so are you off the booze, too?
2: I mean, like, that's kind the thing. Of
0: him off the booze is like uh, the PG-13 version.
3: Just one a day, down to one a day or so? It, uh,
0: it, uh, IPAs... So he has this thing with his buddies. They call it the Anvil, which is like they was it September was.
2: Uh, it was. Is it
0: every September?
2: It's uh, every January and some September and uh, there's a it's Sanville, Janville, and I can't remember. The Man- there's no Manville. other one. <laughs> yeah, it might but be Manville. the best
0: thing about it is there's all these rules. It is
2: Manville. So yeah, Manville.
0: When they're all together they can drink as much as they want and then they get what they call burns which are they can they get 24 hours how many burns do you get in three three a month you get three a month so three 24 hour periods in the month and then like if you're on vacation or something you can actually drink and then you have to what do you what it's two
2: miles per drink oh but you have to run you can swim them too you can swim two miles or run two miles wow yeah. well swimming two
3: miles is and impossible yeah That's it's a pretty super easy. long swim
2: and I used to swim
0: you can have uh, one IPA a night.
2: That doesn't count. No, no. because I pay their gross.
3: <laughs> uh, so he's, he's tried to explain these rules to me in the past and I thought he was just making them up on the no, no I didn't no, realize real. these were like they're set real. in
2: stone,
0: but they're pretty funny. Cause then every now and then there's like a new rule yeah. and you're like, Oh, okay. To so I, I think I kind of have most of them down now. That's but. most,
2: that's mostly it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Anvil yeah. in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No.
3: but this isn't one of those months.
2: No, it's not. But the thing is, I realized when you're running and working, like I'm trying to get my Whoop numbers. You know, I'm using Whoop as my only trainer at this point, and so I'm thinking if I'm if I can get initially above ten on the scale. So Whoop runs from a one to twenty one exertion scale, right? Did you see that Derek put you from David Lee to Kai, Kai Lenny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's fine. Well, I Char- wasn't. Char- I wasn't wearing it.
0: For a bit. <laughs> yeah, Charlie asked last night if, if the sauna would uh, get his whoop rate up. But yeah. I don't, I told him I don't think so. so. But oh, no, but no. so I'm using it as it's my not a only correlation of sweat and well, it no. is tracking heart rate, uh, right?
3: heart rate, body temperature. Your what else? There is something on the skin like a perspiration related yeah. th- function. But
2: but anyway, so <laughs> that's my only personal trainer right now, right? right. I don't have somebody so. Um, having whoop tell me more and more and more and more and so every day I'm trying to ramp it up and so when you're physically exhausted drinking doesn't sound so nice right like it's true these yeah. things
3: all go in hand yeah they do yeah if you find yourself ever in a yoga class a hot yoga class midway through you notice everything that you ate or ingested in the last two or three days yeah you know like I was going pretty frequently to yoga for a while too and it was like oh you know what I'm gonna slack today and have a burrito Two days later in yoga class, I could feel the burrito, I was just, <laughs> and I regretted it. You know, and not physically feel it in, but like the effects of it, yeah. the way the lethargy that yeah. it caused in my body. You yeah. know? And the reality is, when you're tracking it, all the data, those um, points become valuable. And it's like, I want to actually do better at this thing. I want to see better results. You start noticing it in your surfing want to surf better and so you make smarter decisions the best
2: part the best part for me what i'm training for is not to look better not to feel better not to surf better is to beat ashton goggins in the trilogy fight
3: (laughs) i i have a feeling so this becomes a battle of attrition like you said Uh, neither of you guys are trained boxers you know like anybody could land a wild punch anybody could dodge a wild punch it will come down to attrition
2: fitness Yep. and you can outlast him. I'm going to out outwit outlast.
3: Yeah, I don't feel like he's the most athletic. I don't think of it's contenders be very hard. Uh <laughs> does he know that this battle royale is coming?
2: Nope, I mean he d- does now just because I keep writing Talking about it my about it. my <laughs> second piece will go up tomorrow. As if
3: he's paying attention. I mean, I think he stopped paying attention years ago. I,
2: don't I know. feel
0: like someone will tell him.
2: He'll hear. He'll yeah. hear that the trilogy Possibly. is in the works. Surf Expo. His
0: wife, did, maybe.
2: Did you see Surf Expo got in? <laughs> <laughs> Surf Expo got in uh, to the thing and offered to host the no, I trilogy fight. Yeah. Really? Who? Surf Expo. The like inst- insta. Some... The Instagram Surf Expo. Okay. Whoever runs their official. The kid account,
3: running the Insta thought this would be a great idea. And said <laughs> Intel yes.
2: Corporation reaches out and is like, "Remember when what? we disinvited them last time?" <laughs>
0: Be a good draw, I think.
2: Yeah, we can I get, think it just get like, a get a ring set up in the middle.
3: Yeah. I'll go. Yeah, I'll come. So yeah, I'm. Um, well, I like that you're engaged in this whole process. I heard about your defense of your husband at the last in, uh, encounter. Oh. with a haberdasher. Oh, oh a little yeah. Haberdasher. The Haberdasher. Yeah. That
0: was pretty funny.
3: <laughs> what was your take on that?
0: Oh, I was ready to step.
3: Step up. Yep, throw down. Not
0: afraid. So little what,
3: red. um, what did they insult you? I forget exactly yeah. how the interaction came yeah, out. Or was li- it, or were you defending chess? The little
0: mini guy was just like, oh, nice hair. Oh, I don't know
2: purple remember. hair. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you real... look dumb or yeah. something. Got it. Got it.
3: Yeah. Got it. Yeah.
0: Like really came after me. And then I was just like, okay. So like, what'd you say? I said, let's go.
3: <laughs> and he said? You
0: little midget.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think he got, I think he did get called a little midget.
3: And then what did he <laughs> what did he say did he just backed down at that point he
2: was like he he had like spun himself up into a lather so much that it was like I think somebody was like fake pulling him back you know that style like yeah. where I think at that like, point like I
0: won't go to I won't go I, I, I'm not afraid to defend my husband but I that's it's like his stuff right like I don't get involved right I don't even read most of his beach grit stuff so I don't I have very little visibility on the dramas. Um, but if they're going to come at me, then I'm going to, you know, that's what I've always said. Like I'm never looking for a fight, but I'll protect myself.
3: Yeah. It's always surprising to me, especially on Instagram, watching Instagram, uh, I follow accounts like people getting mad yeah it's literally the name of one of the accounts (laughs) and you see it's road rage it's uh people confronting skateboarders stuff like that yeah and i'm always surprised at how many people are eager to come up and yell and posture like they're gonna fight with zero intention of throwing a punch right because i have zero interest in posturing like i'm gonna fight but if somebody came at me like that, then I'll you absolutely go. throw a punch, right.
0: yeah. you, you know? Get, yeah, you do whatever you have to do to protect yourself in a situation. And I think that's like, you know, I'm fight or flight, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. And but I so but I don't like, get enraged
4: without,
3: without the intention. The intention, that's the intention. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's and right. so you see this it's happening right? all the time like. with a little haberdasher, like needing to give a piece of his mind to the point of enragement, yeah. but never going to actually relieve the pressure off that valve, yeah. you know? And so what ends up happening on the Instagram videos is the person who's so, so heated and ultimately just like never going to punch gets KO'd. Yeah. Yeah. They just walk up and ah, yeah, and then no, some kid really, comes yeah. out of the left corner, just like, Hey,
2: shut up. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So.
0: Well, I, I don't really have a penchant for violence, so I'm not, certainly not looking for,
2: but and rage. Everyone's so mad. Well,
0: Yeah, I mean, I learned that early on, right? Like,
2: Enragement is engagement. Um,
3: well, I have an, a listener line call that actually came in probably a month ago, but it's perfect for you, sir. So. Okay. And uh, then we can explain after this call. Actually, let's explain first why you're here and who you are and what your backstory is, because it'll tee up the call better.
0: Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I think you guys know who I am. I'm she- Chas Smith. Is Smith's Smith's. wife, (laughs) Smith's wife, Uh, and I am uh, an agent, and I am here because I'm promoting a sports management mastermind that we're doing for our second time um, with my collaborator, Sue Izzo, uh, also a former sports agent for parents and kids on October 26th, and in classic self-promotion form. Um, asked if I could come on today to promote the work that we're doing, which I think is really important um, in helping raise healthy and emotionally intelligent athletes.
3: So um, is this an agency? Is it just a one-day class? What no, exactly? we're
0: actually at sportsmanagementmastermind.com, um, and it's a four-week class uh, every Tuesday evening starting October 26th.
3: Got it.
2: How to, But how also to, if you have what you think is a talented child, how to take your child to the next level, right? Like that's if right. you think and your kid has got the potential to be a sponsored athlete or go to college on scholarship or whatever, that's right. It, it it's it's tools. a bit of a
0: process and kind of essentially unpacking like what it takes and also, um, helping kind of establish with the kids, like, is this something that you really want to do? And if you do, here's how you do it. And, um, in addition to what some other things are that you can do in the space or the industry if you're passionate about sports and specifically, really action sports,
3: are there any parents, like you just said, if you think your kids are special and talented, are yeah. there any parents who don't think their kids are special and talented? I mean, are there yes. any pra- practical yeah. parents out there?
0: I mean, practical to the point of like not supporting their children's hopes and dreams. Okay. I mean, I guess my approach to parenting is really like, let's lean into what gives you joy, right? Right. And that doesn't always have to be your parents' dream. It's got to be what comes from within. I mean, I've seen so many athletes fail at their potential because they lose heart and they don't find joy in it anymore. Right. And I think that that is just a fundamental uh, parenting process Like we have a duty to our children to make sure that um, we help them set them on the path of being fully realized or self-realized in what they find joy in. And I think you see so many kids, you know, come out of college, like not really knowing what they want to do with their life or asking all these questions that really should be asked, you know, at, at high school age. And ultimately helping determine, you know, how to provide them with resources and information um, to set them on a path to success.
3: I'm glad to hear the agent saying these things about happiness. I know you're saying it from the perspective of a parent, but I feel like from viewing the surf world that a lot of the joy is actually stripped away from the business side of it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know, Chloe and Dino, whoever the kid was who... I don't know how much they even love surfing anymore because it was just always a business endeavor for them. Yeah,
0: well, Kolohe, brother, who's going to be a father, I was just at the Wave Ranch with him the other day, which was super fun. Um, He seems like he's doing pretty good.
3: Yeah, he's a bad example for me to pick because I think he does actually enjoy surfing. I
0: think he does too. And I mean, based on the waves I saw him catch at Surf Ranch, he looks like he's having a pretty good time.
2: John John Florence (laughs) loves some surfing too. Did you see in Derek's whoop story how uh, much John John surfs a day?
3: Uh, I did not see that in the story, but I am
2: aware of it. It's crazy. He surfs a crazy amount a day. Like eight hours a day. Yeah, eight hours a day.
0: I feel like John John's done a really good job of kind of staying in a state of you know enjoying what he does
3: yeah i think his talking about the business side of it his um sponsors kind of understood to let john john be john john rather than trying to have him hit a bunch of goals that other people had hit that you're trying to live up to you know he was allowed to spend a lot of time not surfing sailing photography pursuing all these other interests that i um I don't know that other people work that into their contracts, you know, let's talk about well, there
0: was another parent there with a child whose name I won't mention while I was at the wave pool, who, um, I think is, is kind of the antithesis of a, a good parent in helping nurture their child on their trajectory.
3: By the end of the show, we're going to get that name. Oh yeah. Uh, what were you doing there? <laughs>
0: Uh, I was there on a Red Bull trip. They invited me.
3: Okay, so it's a Red Bull athlete. Yep. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> Male or female. Uh, see how you just fell right into I that I did. Answer. I fell
0: right into that. I'm not really afraid. I told you. We I just, into. I have to be, to, uh, you know, there's some confidentiality measures that need to be in place. So okay. We can move on. Okay. We'll figure this out.
3: <laughs> we're going to see video footage of that trip. Shortly, I'm sure, they're going to release it, and then we'll be able to narrow it down.
0: Yeah, exactly. You can just make up your own mind on that one.
3: Uh, And I would argue that will not bode well for that surfer's career.
0: I don't think so in terms of long-term happiness, right? Right. I mean, you you know, we talked about this last time I was here. There's plenty of athletes that have had, you know, incredible success, but are they happy? Right. And, you know, I want to help raise – healthy humans. So that's really, you know, what, why I'm called to this work.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, perfect. Tee up for the listener call. I'm just going to play it off my computer. So you don't have to wear headphones. Do it.
1: Hey, David. Um, this is Alejandro, long time listener. I was talking to a surf shop owner today down here in San Diego and he was, uh, talking to me about how, um, he would meet up with Matt Biolis he was telling him about how all these families and all these kids come and live in San Clemente or, that are homeschooled all day and just surf are not getting education. And he's just saying it's crazy because a lot of these kids are not going to make it as pro surfers. And so he goes up to a kid, supposedly, in front of a surf shop owner I was talking to. And he goes up to a kid and goes, Hey, what are you doing here right now? And the kid goes, oh, I'm homeschooled. And supposedly Matt Biola says to the kid, yeah, you have shitty parents straight to his face. And so is that out of line? Because I think to myself, yeah, Matt Biola's probably sees that all the time. He probably goes crazy, but man, to go to some kid and tell him to his face, like, yeah, your parents freaking suck. It's pretty wild. So anyways, is my homeschooling barrel or no barrel.
0: Oh yeah. Barrel.
1: Really?
3: I so think Matt Biolis is wrong. Your parents do not. It comes here's down the, to I'm,
0: the parent,
2: but here's the thing though. <laughs> I think that if your whole goal is in homeschooling, I think it should be education, right? You don't homeschool to skirt education, which I feel that's what a lot of these surf parents are doing. They're homeschooling to get out of education where in our particular case, we, uh, Hemingway, our daughter's getting homeschooled this year. And uh, it's to enhance her education. Uh,
0: How much do you share the education that you are giving our child?
2: I mean, a tiny bit, but like I try not to be I mean, in COVID,
0: Charlie started essentially a school with his besties, all dads. There's eight kids and it's two days a week, full days. And it's like tactile learning, which was really just a counter to online learning in covid that just then evolved, but I mean, he's doing, you know, building curriculum and like really engaged. So I think, you know, it really comes down to like, are your parents lazy and you just don't like school and they somehow think it's like, if, if you really have potential and you need that level of flexibility to go pursue something, you know, without um, the, the burden of you know, six to eight hour days. I mean, in a public school education environment, which I think we really realized in COVID, like Hemi never liked school. So when you're actually really doing the work and allows for that level of flexibility, I think it's great.
2: And it's, I mean, it was her decision mostly, right? She'd never enjoyed school. And also, I think for her, it was just a huge waste of time. Like, however, you know, yeah. You're in this classroom context where this teacher, you know, has to teach all the kids and engage with all, all the kids. She didn't need any uh, socialization stuff. I mean, she's all, you know, has her buddies and whatever. But I think the education was kind of just failing the way she learns. And so being able to rebuild, to learn, to help her just have the best learning. But I totally get Matt's point of if you're taking a kid out of school to because education is too difficult or you don't, you know, you don't care about that. You want your kid to surf, then I think you're being a shitty parent.
0: Well, let's ask Hemingway. She we slept her here today cuz she's homeschooled. Do you like being homeschooled?
6: Why?
2: You have to speak have because to a, this is called a podcast.
6: Um, yeah, I like it. It's kind of boring sometimes. My eyes get really tired.
3: <laughs> can I can I ask you if you think you're learning more with homeschooling or with your old you school? You have to go to the microphone. To which which are you learning more in?
6: I think I'm learning more at home school because everybody in my old, like my public school, was going really too fast and like I wasn't really learning stuff because they were all going way too fast for me, and I just needed something kind of slow so I could kind of figure out math and reading and stuff like
2: that. She's
3: remedial. Do you um, <laughs> do you do you miss anything from your old school?
6: I miss my friends, but yeah.
3: You don't get to see them anymore.
6: Um, yeah, no, not really. Well, I get to see my best friend Claire, but not that often. And I get to see some of my friends, but I do have more time with homeschool. Yeah.
3: Was there anything? Is there anything that you're learning at homeschool that you weren't learning in your old school? Um.
6: Not really. It's kind of just the same stuff.
3: What about sailing?
6: Yeah, sailing. I learned. We'll sailing talk about last bands
0: year. a little bit. All the fun stuff you do in bands.
6: Yeah, bands is super fun, and like we have fun activities to do, and like PE and everything you wouldn't have at public school.
0: And you have your friends there, yeah. so you get your socialization.
3: What's bands?
0: That's Charlie School. Oh, okay. Um, Black Box Academy.
3: What is it? <laughs>
2: Cersei is real mad at the name. She thinks it's cancelable. <laughs> it okay. is the Black Box Academy of Noble Savages.
0: Which is a racist trope, it's and not. I insist it's not. that it's they not. change. <laughs> it is. It's not. Okay, we're not going to have this argument here. Okay,
3: but. one final thought, though, Hemi. I know you're doing a lot of ballet now. Would you have as n- enough time for ballet if you were in public school?
6: No, because it's. I mostly have it in the day, and it goes all the way to, like, 8 sometimes, so I don't really I wouldn't have enough time and I wouldn't be able to do ballet because I would stay at my old school if I was in public school, which is super bad. But <laughs> yeah. well,
3: you were missing out on seeing your old friends, but are you making new friends at ballet?
6: Um, I don't really have time to because I'm really not supposed to talk because last time I did, my teacher threatened to kick me out. i
3: used to get that i used to get that thread at school all the time
0: (laughs) she has a phenomenal teacher cool sweet at san diego ballet academy which we highly recommend
3: good to know um so is two days a week enough
2: 2 days a week enough for school or yeah. a, well uh, then i homeschool the rest of the time so uh, like oh okay we do every day the group
3: day. the group with the other dads and kids the group meets 2 days,
2: days a week got it. uh and that's like from 8:30 till 3 and then the other days we all have our own on our own programs with our own our own kids so every day is education
0: and it's worthy of note that i have nothing to do with any of it really yeah and i told that to charlie early on that i just didn't have bandwidth to take that on and you know public school is like really good baseline learning and daycare and so charlie's really stepped up i married well
3: i think um daycare is the key there because a lot of parents like you were saying Chez, they're taking their ki- if they think their kid's going to be a pro surfer they're taking their kid out of school mainly so they can go surfing. Yep. And the homeschooling is just like an afterthought.
2: It's a tick, it's a tick of the box. That's right. Yeah,
3: like we'll do what the state requires sure. of us, but that's it. We really want the kid to be on every good wave that comes through. <laughs> but the um, not a lot of parents have that amount of flexibility in their schedule to actually provide the daycare right. element and the homeschool.
0: Element, that's totally you know? true. And it, it's been so. a heavy lift for him, the fact that he's continued to be prolific in his work publishing his most recent title, and Beach Grit and everything else, so...
5: So all,
3: impressive. all the listeners who call in. I every love week, you, <laughs> <laughs> All the listeners who call in every week, being like, "Since jazz doesn't work, how come he blah 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 blah?" Yeah. You can, they're all eating crow right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's any it's of them are. Good to have the wife on every now and then. So,
0: like, I mean, he really is fully engaged in a really meaningful way in her education. And you know, I don't know how many of you know this, but Charlie was a fifth grade teacher, although I don't think he was a very good one. Um, Awful teacher. But and then shocked by the
3: system there though.
2: Yeah, I was. Yeah. You know.
0: He's a real anti authoritarian. Uh, you guys louder. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you can go out there. No, I don't want. Okay. Well, we're working right now, so
3: nobody's out there. You You'll have, have privacy, privacy out there. Just go go kick it out there, bro. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, but
2: but what, the like the just the idea of education as getting in the way of surfing to me is absolutely silly. Like you can have Correct. both, right? Your kid Correct. can surf all day and, you know, go on a great list, you know, great reading list program or have them like engage their minds too. I think it's just such a, even if they don't want to, it's your, it's a massive disservice. And again, Matt Biolis is right. It, you are a shitty parent. If you are not engaging your child's mind, even if they don't want their mind engaged, and it's that's, your job. To pull he it is
0: right about that.
3: And to his, Credit, that's more of what he sees than what you guys are doing. Yeah. Precisely. Nine, nine out of 10 kids who are coming in there to get free surfboards because they're sponsored are not getting the education that yeah. you guys are. And Matt, that's right. and Matt
2: actually cares, right? Matt is for as many fe- feathers as he ruffles. He's well read. He's like, you know, obviously opinionated and everything, but he's, he, you know, loves his history. I mean, Matt is a, Matt is a, Intelligence means something to Matt and something that he pursues.
3: Okay, then yeah. second question about that call. Uh telling a kid that their parents suck.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: barrel or not.
2: Oh man. Uh, so barrel. Is it? I, I don't know how I feel about you that. You know, I want to yell at every fat kid I see on an e-bike oh. mowing through everybody no
0: fat shaming but we are looking at a lot of privileged kids especially in the privileged area that we live in
2: just motoring through people on their e-bikes right Right. like yeah it's bike. the
0: age of individualism is really a problem totally i
2: agree it's my world and they're not getting any and so i will tell i will tell those kids (laughs) if your kid is chunky and he or she is on an e-bike you suck as a parent holding
0: a jack-in-the-box bag We were on a trail walk the other day and I literally just pulled a kind of a Karen move and told the kids on the e-bikes with their jack-in-the-box bags that they couldn't pass. It was. Just like, nope.
2: Really? (laughs) Nope. It was a Karen move, but they were all little chunkers on e-bikes with jack-in-the-box bags. Like... Yeah. Pedal your dang bike. Yeah. Yeah. And Use on like
0: a walking trail too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well,
2: like, have that, a whoop band on.
3: That's the other problem is because <laughs> I have a bunch of friends who do cycle like very seriously yeah. and they complain about there's a lack of etiquette with the e-bikes. Those e-bikes come flying by 30 miles an hour, not, uh, you know, abiding by the rules of the road, essentially. I
0: mean, I, I love- I mean, it's pretty- it's super crazy dangerous. actually. And like when w- w- in Encinitas where we are and there's like a nice bike trail and there's like toddlers on yeah. scooters and whatever, and they're literally flying by it, you know, 30 miles an hour. I totally no
2: like, I love the idea of an e-bike as a motorcycle, right? Use your e-bike. Your e-bike is a motorcycle. It is not a bicycle. And it's yeah. right? great. Like it lower
0: yeah. carbon emissions. Kids can get around without having to parents to drive them. Like I appreciate those aspects of the freedom that comes with it, especially it's, if it's used for transportation and but all But it's those a motorcycle. Things. It's not a bicycle. It is.
3: Uh, but shaming, telling the kid his parents suck, I think. <laughs> Tell the parents they suck. Yeah. Shame the kid adequately for their How? own mis- I mean, behavior. I would yeah.
0: happily yell at some of those e-bike kids and tell them their parents suck.
2: Really? Because Barrel. they're not, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm with Matt. All right. I love that this so that this person witnessed. This was not a hearsay story or yeah, was, it was this in hearsay? A surf shop he was in a surf Diego. shop and Matt Biolis was there.
3: Uh that's yeah. Yeah.
2: And then Matt Biolis. Actually,
3: I think he was saying He I'm, was talking to the surf shop owner and the surf, and the surf, shop, surf shop owner, owner was re- uh exactly yeah, relayed, so this is okay relayed I'm, the story
2: i'm gonna go back to the source especially now that cocaine cowboy matt Biolus. for those who haven't seen matt Biolus' new look i'm
3: really glad you got to see him
0: yeah i
2: was so happy think too he looks good it's fantastic he looks
0: a little like early val kilmer
3: he does Ooh, that,
0: or not early maybe mid, mid. mid. so so
3: <laughs> at the boardroom show i was like have you seen matt and you guys are about ready to leave and you're like no we haven't seen him yet so i didn't know that you actually ran into him we did on your way out we did so I don't disagree. He does look good. But it's um, almost a caricature of Matt Biolis. You know, his hair was always scruffy. He uh, always had a little five o'clock shadow. He always had glasses on. Now the glasses are tinted. The the frames are hipper. The hair is extra scruffy. That's what you
0: do when you turn 50. You, you got to do these things. Don't give things. a crap anymore? No. You like you literally a get crap. a look. You got to, oh, you know, okay. I got a look going. You got to get a look going.
3: Why? When you turn 50.
0: Well, you know, fifty and up. Okay. I, I mean, because it's that or what? Like, go get <laughs> Botox. Like, Matt you Biolas. have to do other things, right? To like express yourself and feel
3: he's full vibrant. He's full biolus at this point. He's yeah. leaned into biolus.
2: He is peak biolus. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. I totally.
0: like it. What
2: yeah. happens at sixty?
0: I don't know, you know, 60s of the new 50s. Okay. So, well, ask me then. Corvette. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Definitely.
2: Biles had a look that he would be in a 1970s Corvette Stingray. White. I mean, that yeah. would be pretty agreed. sexy. Yeah, agreed.
3: Um, all right, well, moving mm-hmm. on. Uh, the Longboard Tour Secretly, the Jewel of the World Surf League's Crown.
2: So, I wrote this sort of somewhat facetiously, but the, as I was writing it, I was thinking, wait a second like it literally could be so longboard tour just wrapped in uh malibu joel tudor won becoming the oldest world champion in surf history beating kelly slater to that title so joel tudor is now Was
0: that at the wave pool the day before i was there nope this is at
2: malibu they had
3: an event there the day before you were there yeah yeah and joel actually faltered in that event um, but he had already won a previous event, so he accumulated enough points with his win at Malibu to actually take the.
2: So he was the not just he didn't, didn't just win the Malibu event. He is the longboard 2021 world.
0: Well, for a champion. curmudgeonly stoner, I feel like that's pretty awesome.
2: Good on him. So, anyhow, though, as More I was on that in a second, as <laughs> I was riding it, I thought, "Well, look at here the Val the." influx of people starting to surf are all on long-ish boards or, you know, like eight-foot wave storms, whatever. They're all surfing more like longboarders. I see out, uh, of course, Cardiff whole zone is a longboardy zone to begin with, but the amount of longboard, longboarders is like tenfold now what it was, you know, a few years ago. Uh, So there clearly is a boom in longboard participation. It's easier. It's all this stuff, right? How is the World Surf League not leaning in to the tour they have that could fully appeal to that audience? Moreover, it is, I mean, I will press Devin Howard again. It doesn't make sense to have two divisions. You have the men v. women in longboarding, especially at a place like Malibu, where you throw them all into one. Now we have pure equality. Equal prize money, equal waves. There's, it's, you right, know. because there's
0: like grace and stuff. Sure. Like the longer motion and movement that is kind of, I guess, gender fluid, right?
2: Precisely. Women could do, I think, you know, arguably longboard way more beautifully than men do. And I mean, we had Devin on and talked about it where they could actually compete against each other. I don't know why he's not doing that. I
0: really love that. That's a great idea. Sure.
2: So I talked to Devin two days ago. Yep. I recorded a podcast,
3: different podcast with Devin and um, covered all this stuff and things are going that way. Yeah. Hmm. Joel still would have won the event. Of course. Yeah. And what I was asking him was, yes, the disparity on the shortboarding side is very clear. Vast. The judging is geared to uh, support the men's style of surfing in shortboarding, right? So the men go faster, surf more powerfully, more fins-free maneuvers, and that's what the judging is skewed as. So there's a big disparity there. But on the on the longboarding side, it really it doesn't support either buddy's physicality, right. you know? Like, like you said, grace is a big element. Yep. But in the women's final, actually scored higher than the men's final. And so I went back and watched each of the winning, each of the uh, four scored waves for the two heats. Joel would have won. Sure. Despite him having a lower score than what the women posted, he still would have won. He's that much more graceful, you know, and- um,
0: How big were the waves?
3: Tiny, knee high, knee to waist high. The problem with the Malibu permit, you have to pick the days that you're gonna run like a week in advance. Okay, yeah. So they're a little bit limited there, but you're not wrong saying that it's the crown jewel and there's a number of factors and this all kind of came up in the conversation with Devin, uh, that I didn't really identify before, but then I saw you write about it and I'm like, dude, it's very true. They need to lean into it. There's
2: growth potential there.
3: Here's, here's the reason why the, or there's a number of reasons why, but the shortboard tour running nine or 10 events around the world, there's all of this, um, red tape and bureaucracy and all these things that then you you then have to do to make those events happen and all of that strips away what we all love about surfing the longboard tour doesn't have any of those restraints so they run three events a year which is a good number like one event isn't enough to really determine who the winner the best surfer in the world is
5: right
3: nine events is kind of too many and it creates a bunch of restrictions so having three allows these people to kind of express themselves but still and then the judging criteria is so much simpler because really it comes down to very few elements nose rides um trim you know whatever and then beyond that these guys aren't making and girls aren't making a living longboarding so
5: right they are day jobs
3: they have day jobs they all have unique personalities because mm. of those things right there's a homogeneity in shortboarding Right. Because everybody's been doing the same thing, trying, trying to achieve this same tiny goal up here for 20 years now. Whereas longboarding, it's like their stories are fascinating. The fact that, I mean, literally Devin was like, I can name three people, two on the men's side, one on the women's side who legitimately make a living on a longboard. Everybody else, there's a plumber, there's a house painter, there's whatever. Um, and so Joel, as an example, the fact that you know that he's a curmudgeon, the fact that you know of his you know, number of bong rips he takes a day, the fact that he has a gold medal from the Pan and Games in jiu-jitsu, the fact that he's done all these other things. Make him interesting. Make him so much he more is, interesting. He
0: is interesting. And I think there really is something to that about like working class. Yes. I mean, you even look at like the Olympics and a lot of the athletes there are working class and you know, Home Depot has done their big, Campaign around that, that's but so the human far- interests are those are the best stories. I used to right? watch those Home
2: Depot commercials and think, "There's no way these guys work here. Like they're Olympians. They're yeah. you know, etc." Then realizing, no, that Home Depot actually gives them jobs and with big old windows. Home Depot is the home school for Olympic athletes. There you go. It is there the it like is it allows words. the
0: ultimate exploiter,
2: but not really. It's giving them it's giving them like windows to go. It to, depends how they manage that.
3: Yeah, you know, and so that's the thing is. It depends how you manage your athlete, you know, like give John, John free reign to pursue things other than a world title. Or if you say our ultimate goal is for you to get a world title, well, that means you got to be in the gym three hours a day. It means you got to be eating this sort of way. It doesn't allow them to become interesting.
2: Right. So true. And not that I like longboarding or find it interesting to watch. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm a proponent of longboarding here. I'm just saying that it seems like all of the elements in place make it more interesting Potentially than what the exactly I would watch like you were saying.
0: human interest stories. I could care less about Malibu. Sure. Championships Ride
2: nose, whatever, but, one foot day, like, but I don't know. know how the world surf league isn't leaning fully in here. And maybe they are, maybe they are really doubling down, but like everyone coming into surfing rides along board, everyone like, I mean, it just, it just makes sense. It's more to relatable. Yeah,
3: I don't know that they were leaning into it previously, but I, first thing I told Devin when we got on air was, congratulations on pulling off a phenomenal
2: for sure. season
3: and a couple of events. Yep. And I think it comes down to what we kind of talk about all the time, which is Devin's a surfer foremost, Yep, foremost, more than anything, more than what the business interests are. He's going to do the right thing. And he's constantly talking to those long, those athletes, asking what their needs are, how to accommodate and building the events for them. Yep. And so I think at the end you end up with a better result or a better surfer final surfer. product. Now, Circe, this is where you come in. Um I ac- I also asked Devin, what are the new opportunities available to these recently crowned world champs? Nothing. What are the new earning opportunities available to them? Eh, Nobody makes a living doing it. So, what would you do for them as an athlete or as an agent? Um because I really feel like they are the more interesting people, they're infinitely more marketable. They should each have their own vlog series like what why are they not? And I don't think they're leveraging their own worth or interest or any of that as well as they could be. But I feel like this is also where an agent can really slip in and be like, let me help you connect the dots.
0: I mean, it really does come down to storytelling, right? And using you know uh, other platforms other than the WSL to tell those stories. And social is really where that all lives. So there is, you know, some onerousness on the athlete or the individual to, like, do some of that storytelling. And if they are capable of that, that's how they really can increase their viability in the market. And from an agent's perspective, like, we don't ever want to take on, we don't want to take opportunities from the athletes or the clients that we represent. And, it, you know, it's always, it's like a formula, right? You can... From a development perspective, you only want to develop talent that you know you can really help increase their bottom line because that's how we get paid. And so that's a tough one because, you know, there isn't not like some huge trajectory and a longboard surfer takes just as much time to manage as a shortboard surfer, but the resources and opportunity are pretty limited. So it really comes down to like, who are the athletes or the surfers who actually are capable of having like a kind of 360 degree career and lean into the platforms that are available to them to create, create more visibility because, you know, that's where brands look at. Like if you have a bigger reach because of the storytelling that you're doing, you know, on your own social or with some of your brand partners, your value is, is, uh, you know,
3: is increased. I'm not um I'm not sure that non-endemic brands like big corporate sponsors know the difference between shortboarding and longboarding. They're looking at a lifestyle of surfing probably. And so the woman uh world champ, women's world champ is Honolulu Bloomfield.
2: Great I, name too. I,
3: yeah. She's from Hawaii. Yep. She's beautiful, she lives in a beautiful place, and I could see her being so marketable. And given that she's a longboarder, you're actually not competing with a bunch of other athletes, you know, like a short border. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, yeah, they're a dime a dozen and you know, you can, you got to figure out the angle to market them. Honolulu can just come in and own the category. If she really figured out a plan. Does um, she
0: not have representation? You don't
3: think? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so because I think that that longboard landscape was just, uh, not that equitable, you know, like there wasn't that much money in it, but I think everybody's just looking at it wrong because yeah. I feel like through this event or this season, I'm just thinking, man, this is infinitely more marketable and interesting.
0: Yeah, it's really hard when you don't have real endemic support, right? Which they don't. And that's where it's got to kind of start there. Yeah. Because that's where it all lives and breathes. Who are the Who are the who big
2: are the, longboard shapers?
3: surfboard shapers
2: yeah are they still the same like is it is it just like yader and oh
3: no so yeah yader still shapes um tyler Hatzikian out of the south bay is a younger generation and uh killing it uh wayne rich so there's a bunch of but there's
0: bloomfield surf for does she have a i don't
3: know if she even has a clothing sponsor so there are shapers like she gets her boards from wayne rich yeah um but they're the the margins on that scalable yeah no 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 but there there aren't Specific longboard, like there used to be Oxbow, yeah. you know, and things like that. Toes I'm surprised the nose, that, so. that <laughs> like,
0: with the growth of longboarding, which you nice. just raised, uh, that, that more of the endemic brands like Roxy or Billabong Women's or whatever, I think Roxy does
5: support it a little
3: bit,
0: aren't actually like doing some of the storytelling, yeah, um, and 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 celebrating these beautiful women. Like, that's really where I think. You know, there's got to be some data to support an investment, right? But they have the data, yeah. So maybe it's not what we think it is, right? In terms of potential, but also they could just be—I think paying attention.
3: I think the potential is fully underdeveloped, is what I'm kind of identifying, and it was because the tour. Um, was like a one-event tour for a number of years. So there was nothing to really coalesce around. And so the brands did have a couple of athletes, like Roxy does have a couple of athletes. But I think they were giving them very minimal support. And so it was kind of up to the athlete to really take that and run with it. And I haven't seen a longboard athlete really do that yet. But I think, like, the timing is so right you know
0: yeah and i think too like
2: apocalypse
0: uh, and when we come out of covid like experiential like malibu longboard championship sh- should have been like a two-day festival right with music artists and uh, you know experiences and all
5: those
2: i things. mean it's basically so, like the duct tape though that's what joel tudor right made his own tour ish yeah that was festival like Around longboarding, which the WSL could do too. It's not like that's proprietary. I mean, good on Joel for making the duct tape. But
0: no, I mean, you can sell it. It could be a ticketed event.
2: Sure.
3: And
0: yeah. then you provide additional value to your partners, and you make it an experience, not just a contest.
3: Yeah. Um. This relates to any of any and all of your athletes, but if you were to get Honolulu some giant contract, money starts rolling in. Do you advise on what to do with that money?
0: Uh, well, I'm not a financial advisor. I could certainly help put her, you know, make some referrals, but we really try to stay away from that because it gets messy. Um, I certainly would advise that she kind of reinvest it into, you know, building a content pipeline that then would uh, create, you know, some, some passive revenue and, you know, evergreen kind of opportunities.
2: Good evergreen opportunities, yeah. I like it, yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, it's all about storytelling, right? You guys know that, that's what you do all day long.
3: Um, one of the biggest, strangely, the most controversial stories that came across my social media feed this last week or two was the cover shot of the Surfer's Journal this month. Have you guys seen it? No,
2: I didn't even hear, I wasn't even abreast of this controversy.
3: I should have brought it. It's Nathan Fletcher's insanely high straight air at pipe. Mm -hmm. Did you see this? I've I've seen a photo of that air. Okay. So it's an insane image. It's an insane air. Nathan Fletcher is like breaking new boundaries in his mid forties. That's pretty incredible. The controversy was from all of our listeners saying you cannot publish a cover shot where the guy doesn't land the trick—that's true. It was a flyaway yep. air. Yep. So it was at pipe, and he lands out the back, and we've all seen video of it. It happened last year, so all the video has been out there for a long time. And then this month, the cover comes out. What are your thoughts on publishing not only a photo but a cover shot? Certainly,
0: I mean a that's true. That, I mean that's just like you know a, a known rule.
3: It's a known rule in skating and snow.
0: I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Nathan is an incredible talent, and. I love him, so whatever shine he gets, I'm
3: all for it. Would Nathan be okay with this? Would Nathan even advocate to be on the cover, knowing he didn't land that air?
0: That's a really good question we should ask him. Can we text him? <laughs>
3: you can. <laughs> I don't know his number. Uh, so those, I feel like those rules were set in skate and snow. Yeah. Do they apply to surf? Absolutely.
0: Okay. 100%. Okay.
2: I think it, I think it really is code of honor there. Like we have lost so much of, you know, of course, like things just fade away like this, but there is a real code of honor, I think still. And that's probably like in terms of media is baseline photos. Don't go up unless they're stuck and or covers. I mean,
3: so then the question becomes who's running the server's journal at this point and how did this happen? Cause the reality is you don't have to work in surf media to know that rule. I'm telling you, I got dozens, dozens of messages from people going, this is a sham. Like I'm calling into question the credibility of the surfer. The surfer's journal is like, you know, yeah, they play, the they, sacred. They, right, cow. You right. can't say anything bad about them. Yeah. Right. How did this happen? Yeah. Right.
0: Well, I'm sure they probably discussed it.
2: I would don't know that they did. Who's running
0: it? I have to think it's, uh, it was... They have a
2: new editor. Right. Um, I can't remember his name, uh, but he was a hand pick from Scott Hewlett. Okay. Yeah. But also, if you came in to surfing, uh, I can't remember who the editor is, but if you came in and had no kind but there's,
0: of... But think of all the people that actually looked at it and helped do the layout and all of that. For sure, at some point, someone was like, hey...
2: Unless they... I mean, if they wanted to like you know, bash the sacred rule. But it's weird right. for the Surfer's Journal to be doing that. Like Surfer's Journal is not the one to, wouldn't be typically, which is probably why people are mad. Surfer's Journal is the like kind of gold, old gold standard, Exactly. not the progressive, hey man, we're throwing like, we're the new thrasher. We're, right. we're gonna publish throwaways now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's not the Surfer's Journal's voice typically. So if they did it on purpose, that's weird. If they did it accidentally, that's weird. I'm going to get to the bottom of this for us here. Please yeah. do. Yeah.
3: I would like that you do. Cool. I, because I feel like it was a sad, I'm worried that it's a harbinger of what's to come with the Surfer's Journal. Mm. You know what I mean? Where there's there are certain rites of passage, there are certain old kind of standards that are worth maintaining. You know, that, that won- isn't one that's worth going down a path of progression and throwing away the old rules. Like, no, this is a rule that we should stick to. I wonder well, if and they- that
0: rule is aligned with progression, there you right? Go. It That is what keeps us in line that you don't get to celebrate something unless you complete it.
3: You don't get to celebrate it if it's phony.
0: Yeah. Uh- and I don't think, I mean, you know, in that particular instance, it is someone who is doing really innovative things, as you said, in his forties and I appreciate that they are celebrating him in all of the innovation that he is doing, but you're right.
3: We all celebrated the video a year ago when it came out. Right. You know, we didn't need a cover shot.
2: I wonder if the journal would argue that our covers are art pieces, not, uh, we are not actually a magazine. We are a coffee table book kind of art piece. And we've done all kinds of things on our covers, you know, from, you know, I don't accept it. endless amount of, you know, capturing un- moments. Sure. And this is just a this was a surf moment that we wanted to capture. I don't buy it either. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to I know. justify it's hard, it's
3: hard to justify. Yeah, I've looked at it from every angle too. Yeah, it's hard to
2: justify. Well, I'm going to uh, get to the bottom. I'm going to talk to Scott Hewlett, the ex-editor.
3: Please do. And then it is worth noting, though, that cover came out 30 years on on the 30 year anniversary of his very first cover with the Surfer's Journal. When he was 12 years old.
5: Mm. Yeah,
0: well, so there's a little backstory there. Sure, but you so got
2: you to get, you
3: get another you get another. You got to stomp it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you would have earned it if you would. have Sorry, Nathan. It. <laughs> but I,
3: I like I'm saying, I don't think Nathan would argue that that should have made the cover. No, I think you should ask him. He's probably happy that it did, and like it, there is an element of validation that it did. But I don't think that he would have advocated for it if he was. For in sure, not. Room. He
0: knows the rules exactly. Um, but he's also 40s, so hey, we all just want to be seen, right? I, I don't Can't know. Can't be mad we? at it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know his
3: <laughs> philosophy. Um, Chaz, should we go to commercial and Let's do give it. some love to our sponsors? Let's do it. Right. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, Chaz.
2: Whoop4.0 has changed my life, David Lee.
3: If listeners use the word, the promo code, SURF, Not only do they get the free Whoop 4.0 strap, they get 15% off their membership.
2: It's a great deal.
3: First of all, John John Florence and Nathan Florence are using it. That's good enough for me.
2: If it's good enough for John John, it's good enough for me.
3: (laughs) I feel like it is. Yeah. My um, sleep efficiency last night, 90%. Good job. I feel like I'm storing it up before the baby comes. Great Great job. It's like my body just
2: knows. Great idea. Yep. 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 What was your, what's your recovery looking like? Um.
3: Today is a active day. I'm nice. supposed to be active today. I okay. just closed my phone, so I can't access it now. Great. But I'm, I'm going to surf after this. It looks Partially because it. of that. Yeah, the waves are pretty good. Um, so here's the deal. It's a fitness. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. It goes on your wrist. Cool thing about it is there's no annoying notifications. There's no screen. There's no buttons. It's super sleek. So sleek, in fact, that it fits under your wetsuit sleeve it's tracking data 24/7 while you sleep, while you exert yourself, all of that and it's sending it to the app on your phone. So when you actually want to get that information, it's right there on your phone and it's so detailed that you could share it with your physician, your trainer, your PT, a coach and it's important vitals about your overall health.
2: The strap easy, put it on, don't think about it. The App is very, very easy to to navigate for someone who doesn't enjoy new technologies. Yeah. It's no problem.
3: So that's the key is that, like you said, it's not annoying on your wrist. It's just collecting constantly. And then when you want the info, it's right there. Easy. So whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com. The promo code is the word SURF. You get the 4.0 strap for free and 15% off your membership.
2: Merry Christmas, everyone.
3: All right, we are back. Um, I've got another listener line call if you're interested real quick.
7: Hi, Dave. This is Frank, longtime listener uh, to but several of your podcasts. I appreciate them. You've mentioned um, on both uh, Spit and uh, The Grit recently about your frustration with, and, and you find it comical that they're using these ordinary cleaning products um, and you find it kind of absurd that, that that's the technology that they're using to, to clean up these oil spills and and um, you know I, I believe Chaz did kind of respond to you too but i just wanted to say a, you know a couple things that just is how you do it uh, yeah actually as crazy this sounds you know the, the technology uh to clean an oily bird is basically gloves and dawn dish soap and that's just how you do it there just there isn't actually, a better way to do it um chav uh, mentioned the idea that oil companies should be spending money. They should be forced to spend money to develop better technology and then that that has been something that they have avoided for decades now um, another another conclusion too is that's that's why oil spills are so harmful and and that's why we should all be so concerned and um, really putting our our energies towards getting ourselves off fossil fuels and getting these oil rigs away. You know, the the spill in uh, Santa Barbara there in the uh, late 1960s was devastating. And all the spills that we've had since then, um, you're right, you know, there's just this kind of clumsy technology of people with with gloves and, and some paper towels trying to clean it up. Um, it's not that they're that that it's that really silly it's these these people really know what they're doing um they're they're experts and uh for the most part and they're training volunteers to do it and that that's just how you do it that's how you clean these things up anyway i look forward to hearing a little bit more about this issue in in the coming weeks and, and i really wish all the best for um Huntington Beach and, and the wildlife there and the people that enjoy the beach have a good day he's
3: making my point for me like it's fantastic that dawn created a versatile enough product to clean my dishes and a duck but (laughs) there there's got to be a better like with the proper imagine if cleaning ducks was profitable yeah they would have vacuums lasers everything like johnson and johnson makes thousands of products to clean your own hair if you have curly hair they have this product if you have red hair they have that product and the ducks, the best way to clean a duck is Dawn dish soap is absurd. Yeah. Again, kudos to Dawn, but.
2: I mean, it, may, it did make me think how, what an epic invention Dawn is. The fact that Dawn is that versatile is but pretty good. But it's not
3: the best product for of duck. Of course not. I mean, that, it's just the best one that we have available because nobody's, and there's no profit in cleaning I, ducks. I mean, the
0: problem is so much bigger than that. I mean, we just have to completely divest and we need to do it now and, I mean offshore oil rigs are going to continue to break down and it's going to be a – our entire coastline is going to be devastated if we don't start actually like really pushing towards a new green deal or real innovation and in technologies. I mean you saw that Biden's trying to build offshore wind farms. Um, but, but those have
2: a bunch of problems too, right? Don't those chop up – migrating birds
5: and uh, whatnot. I know the
0: fishermen I think are are worried and, and and environmental impact for sure when you're drilling into seabed and all that. Uh, but I mean it's a hell of a lot better than than pumping offshore oil. I mean it's just a matter it's not uh, you know it's not a matter of
2: Yeah. I like clean coal. I'm a clean of coal if man. It's are just you? Clean uh, coal is <laughs> is that such a thing they call they call it clean coal now but i don't i literally think it's coal and they just stuck the word clean on it and maybe they put like a new filter on the smokestack yeah that's it but they just you call it clean coal and it's all cool i'm just gonna start calling it clean oil i love clean oil
5: well well
0: we need to divest from you know at&t and all of these companies that continue to fund
5: yeah clean Uh, oil (laughs)
0: Clean oil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is no such thing, but I really appreciate his perspective, which is like, you just do whatever works. Right. And as long as we continue to have these problems, you do what works.
3: It's just crazy that it's volunteers using Dawn and paper towels. to Yeah. Well, if if
0: we continue to try to think that the, that big oil uh, is going to have any level of accountability for anything ever. Yeah. then we're all out to lunch. Do you so.
2: remember uh, what's... Thank you for smoking. Yeah. The merchants of death, they should all share who cleans up what. So big tobacco should clean up oil spills. Big oil oh. can solve <laughs> uh, lung cancer or sort out those things. And so
3: I feel like if you just... un did a cigarette and sprinkled the tobacco leaves on the oil, that it might would work. create yeah. kind of right. like, That's and right. then you scoop off the tobacco yep. leaves, right?
0: And then you or could, just raw tobacco leaves might there you work go. great. I even mean,
2: better. even though though- <laughs> Better than a paper towel. Like
0: instead of lungs.
2: But then you could resell it as a cigarette. <laughs> Cigarettes already have tar in it, who cares? There right? you go. Man. It's win-win. Merchants wow, Somehow-
0: But isn't the tar created from the combustion?
3: Uh, we're going to, yes. Now you don't have to worry about that. We've already got, got (laughs) we we, we went over to the dark side real quick in this phone call. Now we're the ones designing new harmful products. Uh, Somebody else emailed and said, I'm a hazmat specialist for our fire department. And I wanted to give you a little more info about the oil cleanups that you had questions about. The sad thing is that when we do cleanups on a smaller scale for us, we use absorbent kitty litter and water. And then send the absorbent to a professional cleanup warehouse. But Chaz is right. The chemicals used to break down the oils can actually be worse for the waterways and the environment. So then you got to consider that too.
2: I think that, yeah. Mess. yeah, the whole dispersant thing, I think everybody was spraying it everywhere for a while, right? I think they yeah. thought, oh, we break up the oil and then we win. And then they realized, uh-oh, yeah. what we just sprayed on all the oil is worse than all the oil.
0: Let's yeah. be honest. We're all just screwed. So
2: It's true. Um, Well,
3: (laughs) as it relates to that, there's a couple of news stories. Bonsai Surf School is suing the oil company because obviously they weren't allowed to run surf classes in Huntington Beach. Good for them. Um, The silver lining to
2: all of this. No surf schools.
3: No. Well, there's another. (laughs) Now there's another (laughs) one. This is even better than that. It's an extension of that. The valves are gone. Yeah. The waves were pumping yesterday.
2: Did you surf?
0: I mean, how bad is it?
2: It's not no, so it's There's open. No more now. oil. The
3: oil okay. is visibly gone, anyways. Right. But um, the waves yesterday combo swell, g- head high, good surf up and down the beach. Nobody, nobody around. out. Nobody wow. around. All right, let's I mean, go. Epic Huntington. Get some of that. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: how's Matt? Yep.
3: Um, well, as usual, we close out the show with barrel or nah. But before we do, I have a weekly game where I ask Chaz if he's watched the Val documentary yet. Val, Val Kilmer came up in conversation earlier today, so it's relevant.
2: Guess guess who got so enraged by HBO that I refuse to get it now?
3: Well, it's on Amazon Prime.
2: Oh, sweet. Okay, I'm watching. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and apparently
0: at owns HBO, so
2: watching, I just found that out. Oh, up. really? Yeah. I'm watching. Uh, so David Lee has been pressing me. Not pressing, just asking. No, you, the one who brought it up originally. Yeah. yeah. Months ago,
3: you're like, the new Val documentary is coming out. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. So now I just ask if you watched it and he just won't
2: watch it. I still haven't watched it. What is it? It's a documentary on Val Kilmer. It's supposed to be really good.
0: Oh, I did see it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Did you watch it though? Nope. No. Okay. I'll watch it tonight.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's what he says every single time. So why aren't you watching HBO?
2: I got so enraged that they kicked over to HBO Max, where now it's like a new subscription. It's like, so somehow the old HBO subscription expired which was, you know, the, there's a new one now that's a way upcharge, like way above what it used to be, hmm. I feel. And it's all, I'm just like, I've had enough. I've had enough with like cutting the cord was fun for a minute and then experimenting with my different grab, grab yeah. bag. And now it's ridiculous. I'm cutting them all. I'm over them all.
3: Um, so I, mine transitioned over to HBO max without any surcharge.
2: Really? Yeah, sure about it? Are you sure you're not getting like a six month? Because we had that too for a minute. We Maybe. had it. We had it transition into HBO Max, and I was like, oh, uh, the, we were having our cake and eating it too. And then yeah, it yeah, all yeah. went dark. No yeah. HBO. I, no HBO Max. Who knows? Yeah. Well, how are you going to watch Succession? I, I'm not. That's why I'm standing on principle.
0: Can, I think we can probably just buy it after the fact, can probably, we? Probably. I'm standing like on principle or something. until then. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, Hulu does like Ween. Yeah. They put all their Halloween. Peacock. Literally, it's not a joke, is doing Peacocktober.
2: <laughs> peacocktober is really, oh, that's okay. Peacocktober. I kind of like better than Halloween, to be honest. I mean,
0: it's funny. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Funny. We're talking about it. Yeah. I know, isn't that funny?
2: Good job, Peacock.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, Cersei, should men wear shorts in public?
0: Oh, I'm okay with shorts in public, especially in Denmark where they have like really cool tattoos right at the short line.
2: Okay. right then this is this has been the most controversial stance in the grits five-year history is telling men i love being with my
0: husband and people coming up to us and being like i wore pants today because i thought i might see you and i really didn't want to get caught wearing some shorts yep but yeah i think it's fine i mean it's
2: not
3: it depends on your legs And you're not wrong often. It's weird to see you be wrong right now.
2: <laughs> you know who, you know who wears shorts in public? Which men? Men who like to molest children wear what? shorts in public. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Come on.
2: You just stimulated
0: just a whole bunch of new calls, far. a one whole bunch of new listener far. line calls. The, the fat shaming was one thing, but that's a, the short shaming is a uh, whole nother thing.
2: Short shame. I'm a short shamer. Okay, what if it's, it. shorts, shorts. It's okay yeah, if it's a chubby
3: kid on an e bike wearing
2: shorts, carrying jacket? It's okay if it's a kid. That's no, but that's what I'm saying. Is shorts are okay on kids. He's not canceled for that. He'd be get canceled for the e bike. Jack in the box. box.
0: But But Charlie likes Jack in the box, so maybe just the e-bike. That's the only (laughs) thing. And being
5: chunky. This is like like
3: the anvil. There's all these rules that are... It's shorts-tober. We're allowed to wear it when it's a warm day. Um, Okay, so our first barrel or not. Dave Chappelle.
0: I haven't watched it, so I'm going to have to say I reserve... Until I actually,
2: I'm Barrel, so Barrel. I'm Big Barrel. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is not wrong.
0: I heard it wasn't very funny.
3: It was
2: hilarious. <laughs> okay, hilarious.
3: <laughs> I All mean, right. do you like Dave Chappelle in general?
0: I I have historically, but okay. I do think he's kind of lost his mojo. And like I've, his like broing down with Joe Rogan is weird. And
2: so I, I haven't he watched
3: this one either. We like have to watch it. He like lives in but...
0: Ohio and hangs out with like Elon Musk or something.
3: He lives in like a super small town, apparently. Yeah. It's all um, a
0: white town in Ohio.
3: So. Yeah. And that becomes part of the, the routine as well. But I I see what you're saying. He lost his mojo. His jokes aren't as snappy and quick and all that sort of stuff. He's way deeper now. And yeah. it's like very philosophical and it's very but it's funnier because of that. Like okay. he's in a he's in a place in comedy right now that very few comedians ever, ever get to. yeah. Or people don't even have the intelligence to get there. People don't have the clout to get there. So, I mean, he walked away from the $50 million deal, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was with Comedy Central.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Right. Everyone said he was smoking crack or something and that wasn't true, which he then shared. And And then the Netflix So, So he went away for 10 years. Right.
3: Then Netflix brought him back three, they we're going to do three deals. They offered, I'm sorry, three shows for 150 million bucks. So it's 50 million bucks per special, right? And this is the third, this is the third. And on the second special, he got in a bunch of hot water for saying controversial things about a a number of people, but the trans community was what the hottest water was about. So in this third one, he comes back. And the reason why he's in the news now is he doubled down on the trans conversation, but My problem with the cancellation or attempted cancellation of him is they are missing the point entirely. If you watch it, if you listen to him, nothing that he said was even controversial. It it was all very, uh, first of all, his experience going through life, dealing with these things. And also this person was a hypocrite at this time. Here's the exact scenario. Here's them being a hypocrite. Everybody jumps in and goes, hey, that person's trans. You're not allowed to make fun of him. And he goes, that's a human being that I'm making fun of. You're the one who's putting this label on it and then creating some special, you know, scenario where. Untouchable category. You're the one creating the boundary lines. I don't see the boundary lines. I'm treating this person like a person and they were a hypocrite at the time, you know? So a lot of it is based in that and there's comedy that punctuates all of it, but it's he's saying things that nobody else says that is, you know, I feel like, again, he's in a whole different category. Well, and I if you
0: I think oh, just even opening up the debate is important on these issues, right? Like the idea of like censorship and c- cancel culture, not allowing for discourse and conversation is a really big problem huge. for I, us societally. And he,
3: he's addressing all that.
0: Yeah. I, and, so, and so I think I probably enjoy it on some level. His, and he's using his medium, right, for kind of public commentary he's about doing exactly some of these social issues which public. I think are is isn't and and clearly it struck a chord because it's all over the press. I mean, I've read I read that.
2: I'm excited to watch it.
3: It's yeah. doing exactly what you just said. It's actually identifying this huge problem, stepping on the grenade making jokes along the way and saying, I'm willing to take this shrapnel, you know,
2: just so we can have a conversation. Yes. The the lack of conversation is so, which I I, I think is
0: beautiful to be honest, like as long as we're talking about stuff, but I also think like if we took all the energy towards these societal issues and put it towards things that we really need to solve, like Offshore oil drilling and and oil all over our beaches. I think it's like misdirected anger a lot of the time because I don't really think that David LaChapelle is like Uh, transphobic. David LaChapelle. David LaChapelle is a photographer. Uh, Sorry, I always do that. I always do that. He's a good photographer. (laughs) Yeah, he really. I mean, he was, was. but I think he got canceled too. So, but I don't really think that he is transphobic. I think. I think it is um kind of misdirected anger about you know a lot of other stuff the
3: way that he um engineers this whole conversation makes it so that if you actually were to call him transphobic or try to cancel him you fall into the trap because he's he's pointing it right back at you going you guys are the ones who have zero sensitivity or sympathy for my shortcomings yeah And by the way, they weren't shortcomings. Here's what really happened in that scenario. But by virtue of you canceling me, you have zero sympathy or tolerance for somebody who is different, sees things differently than the way that you see them. It's an elaborate.
0: We had a friend over for dinner last night and, and their comment, her comment was that he is worried. He's way too much worried about what the Twitter kids are saying
2: that Ch- Chappelle is too focused on what Twitter kids are saying as opposed to, yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So I gotta, I yeah, gotta
3: He specifically yeah. Yeah. says he doesn't care about Twitter and Twitter isn't a real place. So he doesn't care about it. That's what he said.
0: But I think he's actually reading whatever, Maybe. like he's not actually tuning that out. So yeah. I it's pretty know.
3: interesting. He does say at the very end of it, I will never talk about any of this stuff again Right. to your point about putting energy into it. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to address this once. For fifty million bucks. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and I'll, is, I'll never address it again. He doesn't right?
0: breathe the same air as us, right? Yeah. Like he's on a whole nother level. So yeah. really, I mean, as an artist, he should have, you know, the, but the, the freedom to have those kinds of conversations. And, and just we the... We uh, listen, and he makes millions and millions of dollars. And obviously it's a great... We're all going to watch it so we can have an opinion about yeah. it, right? So, But was,
2: this he, to the sensitivity, right? Like, I get it. I get that. But the... The feeling like sensitivity is the peak end thing to care about. Like, did you see, I put it on Beach Grit. Especially from a comedian. Sure. But did you see the Jonah Hill thing today? No. So I put it on Beach Grit. Great. Uh, His
3: post. His post. Thank you for addressing it.
2: Which is all fine and good, right? It's overly sensitive, but fine and good. What I addressed is, so Sharon Stone gets in his comments. So Jonah Hill, for those who didn't know, posted, could you please stop talking about my body, good or bad? It makes me. It doesn't make me feel good. Thank you. Something right? Like
3: it's not helpful. It's not right. helpful.
2: Whatever. And so he's saying, I think it was in reference to Us Weekly had a picture of him like that was complimentary, maybe. Uh, and he was saying like, look, when you know, just don't talk about my body at all. Full stop. Fine. Okay, I get it. Even though you're in the public eye and a you know you get your money from people looking at you, etc., it seems a little bit disingenuous to ask people not to talk, talk about you. Not only that, it seems extra sensitive. I'm not going to address that. Whatever. Sharon Stone went in there and said, can I just say you look good or something? People like lost their minds on, no, shut up, boomer, read, what are you saying? Like people, the vitriol, like, are you kidding me? Right. Joni Hill's being a big baby, a totally. fine, let him be a big baby, but don't all hop in on the 63 year old woman who's like, uh, can I say you look good? No, we're not allowed to say that anymore. Like,
3: <laughs> sh- shut up. The problem with all of it is that the um, retribution far supersedes the offense. Yeah. With cancel culture in general. You know what I mean? It's like the offense of Sharon Stone saying something like that. You look, I was, think you look it's good. a minor, minor offense. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Totally you didn't want minor. me to, you didn't, didn't want didn't to say that I don't even think it's anymore. offensive, but Obviously. it's a minor offense. To him. Piling on and attacking somebody like that is way worse than the offense, Yeah, you know? It's insane. That's insane. Well, totally and there's no insane.
0: opportunity for like any, like personal growth exactly. or to come out and say, hey, you know, I said something 10 years ago, like Terrier getting canceled from Burton.
2: That was a big story.
0: Where it's just like, you know, come on. Like yeah. we all have to level up here and to just, you know, Stop talking to people or canceling them is not how we uplevel our collective consciousness.
2: Totally. I mean, it's insane. That's like, send, if you offend my sensitivity, then I will burn you to the ground and I will burn your family to the ground. That's it. It's like censorship I'm sensitive about this, and it, that scares me die.
0: as much as exactly. anything.
3: That's yeah. the problem. So the day back to Jonah. Dave Chappelle, real quick. Um, David LaChapelle. David LaChapelle. <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> So it's, we can all say, oh yeah, 50 million bucks. That's why he's doing this or whatever. But what actually adds kind of credibility to it is that he walked away from 50 million bucks 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. So him being able to say, it's not actually about the money. Of course, I'm going to charge appropriately. If somebody wants my work, that's what I'm doing here but it's not about the 50 million bucks I proved to all you guys 10 years ago that I walked away from it. The other thing that makes it really poignant and I think adds gravity to it was um, the kind of end of the special is all centered around him hiring a trans comedian 15 years ago to do an opening act for him and the development of that relationship. And so it's not a new thing that he is analyzing, addressing, commenting on, you know, it's something that informed from experience. Totally. Totally. So I I highly encourage it. I'm a big fan.
2: Val's not getting watched tonight. Then Chappelle's (laughs) (laughs) Chappelle's getting watched. (laughs) Put
3: Val on for tomorrow. Um, (laughs) all right. My final two barrel or Nas are less controversial and they are specifically related to my impending fatherhood. Um, number one, (laughs) looking into the abyss during birth and labor. So, this has been a hot topic with my male friends who have gone through child gone through being there for the childbirth. There some of them are like stay back at the shoulder, stay back at Lauren's shoulder and be supportive there. Other guys are like, nope, go around and watch this miracle of life happening and the argument against that is oh, it ruins some of the romance. Oh my
0: God! So what do you fire and cancel every friend you have that uh says such a thing?
3: So you say yes. Look into the. I mean, to suggest
0: that watching your baby actually come into the world might make you feel differently about your woman's vagina is deeply offensive, and (laughs) that is an absurd perspective. And if you actually you need therapy. If that is a problem for you.
3: You're being insensitive to the male who felt that way. That's true. He's entitled to his feelings. If he yeah, felt that
0: I'm way. I'm just saying you need to go unpack that in a room with the therapist because it is it is it is like otherworldly, right? How many times in your life are you actually, and for you at your advanced Paternal paternal age. Age. how is this turning on me <laughs> band- i'm not the it, one who
5: advocated for you're me.
0: only you're only gonna have you know I one or for a maybe time. a couple of them but to deny yourself that experience which is otherworldly and has nothing to do with your vagina heals nicely and as i'm sure my husband can attest works perfectly fine and has oh. not Affected romance. Yeah. That <laughs> was an affected
2: romance. Did you look into the portal? I grabbed Grabbed Hemi's head and tried to pull it did out. You, yeah, really? he caught um,
0: her. Yeah. And no. uh I had a we had a home birth, so he was very very there.
3: Very interactive.
2: Yeah, yes. the midwife midwife made me go around and try to yank her out. But it's really uh, yeah, talk about sensitive. Like I didn't know like you're squishing this little thing's head. Like I thought I'm gonna crush her brain. Right. So I caught her, but let the midwife pull her. It's so They're radical!
0: As, it's so radical that I, I highly suggest that you take everything you can from that experience and don't
2: film it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't no, film wanna, it. Yeah, I'm going
3: to podcast it. Yeah, <laughs> no one, um. no
0: one wants to watch that on replay. But
3: it, well, you want to be in the moment anyway. You do. Okay. Yeah. Well, so um, full disclosure, I'm on your side, and I was fully committed to, yeah being a part of that process and not shying away from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Strictly because it's a miracle. It's but like, you should it's also such do whatever feels
0: right in the moment. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to judge you for doing whatever no, you, if I you agree. feel like you should be there with her because that is what she, she needs, needs yeah. then that's what you do. Right. And I think it's totally okay. Whatever you choose based on what feels right for you. Yeah. But
3: But I do want to witness it. It's pretty cool. Just because it's such an un, a unique experience that is, again, something, this life form coming from ultimately a different universe through this portal is insane to me. There's so
0: few real surprises left in the world in our lifetimes. And this is just the great, you get to meet in that moment. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, a human you created it's totally radical cool
2: and the child will forever so love you more you. than the child will forever love you more than they love their mother just like my daughter loves me
0: Honey, <laughs> who do you love more yeah
2: <laughs> oh wrong again dang it <laughs> it's weird that they were both wrong so much
3: yeah <laughs> um cool. I'm all in for that. Um, final barrel or not, uh, buddy DM to me and he's like, Hey, have you picked out the playlist for what you're going to listen to on the drive home from the hospital? Mm. I was like, no, he's like, well, my daughter, when the drive home, she was listening to like kiss FM or like my wife had kiss FM on for that drive. My son, I forget what he listened to. It might've been Neil Young. He gave me something very specific. He goes, and to this day, my son has way better taste in music than my daughter has, and he's convinced
2: <laughs> that, that it was it's from not a coincidence.
3: It was, and I'm like, well, an argument could be made that my baby is hearing music in utero, you know, and maybe it's muffled, whatever, but they're still hearing stuff. He goes, nope, it happens in the car ride home. So barrel or not, nah, curating a playlist for my baby's drive home.
2: I'm gonna go barrel. I'm gonna say that music does uh, frame so much of our lives, and to leave it to chance, to leave it to a disc jockey, unless you're gonna be listening to kusc.com. I mean, not. Oh, I guess it is.com. KOC Classical Music. Like if you if you got classical radio, great. Otherwise, I would not trust a DJ with the precious ears of your newborn man. It's a lot of risk. Yeah.
0: Well, there are all kinds of studies that music in utero, specifically classical, helps with brain development. So uh, why
3: not?
2: What are you gonna, What are you thinking about for the playlist?
3: Um, well, first of all, let's break this down real quick. You said, "Leave it to, don't leave it to the DJ's chance unless it's classical." Yeah, there's DJs who are classical DJs right now who are. Yelling at you because their classical selections are better than another classical's (laughs) DJ selection. So it's not enough to just say classical. It's too vague. Uh, I used to work in the wine business, and there's biodynamic farming, and there's all these rules that come with biodynamics. And part of it is that you play music to the vines, but it's not any music. And it's not, it is classical, but it's not just classical, it's specifically Baroque classical did right. you know
2: this that you had to play music to the biodynamic I did know wines? it was Baroque classical mm. but so yes
0: I knew that that was a big part that actually is in cannabis cultivation too there's certain music and I wonder what tones cannabis likes yeah, yeah I don't know cannabis like it probably Jimi Hendrix depends on the genetics but it I'm a big natural wines fan so oh, okay. I, I mean I think they're really I mean you're right it's all it's all vibrational right and if you can get full expression from your child or a plant through a uh, uh, a vibrational uh, transmission. Then I say, barrel.
3: So, but what are you going to play? Great question. Now I have to really figure it out because I didn't consider the vibration aspect. I was just thinking,
2: Taste. Parent,
3: parenthood-themed songs that yeah. fit the genre that I approve of. No, you know, Paul Simon's "Father and Daughter." No, you know, even though he's
2: a bully, you, whatever. No, okay, you'd be going wrong there. Vibrations. Yeah. yeah, vibrations. Yeah, I would if I was you. If I was having a son. I would put on DJ Paul Fisher oh on the God. ride home oh the God. whole God. time.
3: Please don't. Raise, <laughs> a, raise a psychopath. <laughs> um,
2: speaking of vibrations, I did
3: see a story at one point, a news story about Adele hitting those vibes that elicit emotion and even tears. So, you know, people listen to her music and they're moved by it, but this study was saying that no, it's actually the tonal, the tones that she's hitting with her voice are activating something right. uh, physiologically. Right. And so you could sub out the words as long as it's hitting the same tones. Mm-hmm. And so whether Adele and her people knew that or they were actually... You know, you don't even have to speak English. You could listen to Adele's music and you start crying right? and missing Well, your... it's just
0: like when you get the goosebumps, yeah. right? When you yeah. hear music that... It, it allows you another layer of uh, an ability to emote. And it really does we as humans and all of our complexity. I mean, that's why... Music is such a great sensory Peter experience. King,
2: Kelly Slater, Rob Machado, The Surfers.
3: What was their hit? Uh, Can you think of one of their songs? I
2: don't think so, but I think you could download. What about Chris Cote's band, Cut You Up? <laughs> no on all of them.
3: I, so I did... I did buy Kelly that uh, the Surfer's album.
0: You're going to be a great dad.
3: Thank you. Thank you. The fact that we're even considering (laughs) the music proves that we're going to be good parents. All right. Well, this has been an informative educational show. Can I
0: promote sports management real quick? Uh, Of course. Sportsmanagementmastermind.com. We have a 10% discount and the code is BeachGrit.
3: Nice. So please sign
0: up. I would love to see you and help uh, develop your child's phenomenal.
3: What are the dates again?
0: Uh, it's the first one is October 26th.
3: Okay.
2: In person or online?
0: It's online. Perfect.
3: Yep. Makes it easy for everybody. Do it from everywhere. All right, then. Chaz. Awesome. Uh, well, by the way, we're at Album Surfboards. And I forgot at the beginning of the show to say Matt Parker from Album is hosting a surf trip. Where? In the Maldives right now uh no it's coming up soon i don't have the dates on me can we go uh no you and i cannot <laughs> but there are spots available actually you can go if you want to pay for it yeah how much i don't know i didn't look at the price said it's a there's one or two spots available but josh kerr is going so you mm. get surf coaching from josh kerr in the mall dives
0: that sounds fun so um pretty is amazing is sierra going too
3: i don't know okay. i didn't ask but they do have a couple <laughs> of spots available niyama is uh I think the resort. It's niyama.com. You yep. can access this. We'll post it on how do you how do you find How do you find what?
2: How do you find how to sign up for the uh
3: Nyama.com. The link is long, but if you go there you can navigate to it um on their website. The trip, by the way, is November seventh. Great. Yes, Sierra Kerr will be there and it's all album surfboards as well. Awesome. So a pretty amazing deal. I'm uh,
0: taking an album to the wave pool tomorrow.
2: Sure is. Are you gone? Yeah.
3: You're going to surf it? Surf Ranch. You guys got time? You actually get time in the pool? Yep. Yeah.
2: Two days even.
3: Good for you guys. Can you, why, how? Who's pulling this together?
0: Uh, it's a natural selection trip. Oh, and epic. Uh, hosted by Michael
3: Schwab. Epic.
2: Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Big fun. Cool. All right, well, we'll look forward to the
3: stories on Beach Grid about that, Chaz. Until next week. Get barrel. Yeah. and don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com/surf that's linkedin.com/surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply